This is Cruise Radio. Now more than ever, you should consider trip insurance for any kind of trip you take, not just cruises. Get a free quote at tripinsurance.com. Broadcasting from the tripinsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida, this is Cruise Radio. Hey, how's it going? My name is Doug Parker. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio. Happy to have you here, my friend. A review of Norwegian Breakaway today, a seven-night Western Caribbean cruise out of New Orleans, the Big Easy. Our guest today had a chance to stay in the Haven for a week, and she absolutely dug it. So we can't wait to chat about Norwegian Breakaway here in just a couple of moments. Cruise news today, the three things you need to know every morning, Monday through Friday, at Cruise News Today, just opposite of this channel or on the Cruise Radio YouTube channel. As always, to get us caught up on this week's cruise news, staff writer Richard Sims. Hey, Richard. Hey, Doug. So two cruise lines have made important changes to pre-cruise testing requirements. Yeah, we're starting to see as the situation evolves, and this is how they've said they were going to do it from the beginning, that some of the cruise lines are starting to adapt their health and safety policies. First, we heard about Holland America, who dropped their pre-cruise COVID-19 testing requirement for some sailings on their ship Rotterdam. Not, um, And it's a limited thing. It's only going through July 24th on Rotterdam. These are itineraries that all depart from Amsterdam and the Netherlands, and they're sailing to you know various ports in Norway. Well, the most recent change comes from Norwegian Cruise Line's holdings. That means not just Norwegian Cruise Line, but also Oceana and Regent, which sail under the same corporate umbrella. So they made a similar announcement, but theirs is a lot less specific. Norwegian said that they would be dropping the pre-cruise test requirement beginning August 1st on quote-unquote select sailings, and it's all based on regional regulations. Right now, this means that you do still need to test when sailing out of uh, the United States and Canada and Greece, but in some of the other places where the regulations have been dropped or adjusted or are a little more lax, they will not be requiring the pre-cruise testing. We'll have to see how long it takes before this starts making its way to the United States. Obviously, it's going to depend on what local regulations are, what ports the ship is visiting, what the requirements at that port is, but we're starting to see things sort of adjust. I suspect for the next year or two, this is going to be very fluid. You know, we'll see it be dropped in some places, and then we'll see it be reinstated in some places based on, you know, what the progress of COVID is in the various places that they sail out of and visit. Also, a quick update for the Norwegian cruise line ship, Norwegian Sun, that hit that growler in Alaska a couple of weeks ago. Okay, so first of all, let's just get a real definition of what a growler is. I have finally got the actual definition, and it is apparently an iceberg that has less than 3.3 feet showing above the waterline. Now, if you look at the video, which is circulating around out there, of what the Norwegian sun hit, it sort of looks as if almost none of it was above the water, that it was mostly below. And then after they hit it, it sort of comes up to the surface, almost like, you know, a whale breaching. And you can see it coming above the surface. And it is a good size. It looks, you know, about the size of sort of a pickup truck, maybe. Um, as a result of this, there has been some damage. The ship is still in Seattle. You know, we've seen pictures of divers going down and checking out the damage and presumably fixing it. But they've had to cancel a couple of sailings. The latest was the July 5th sailing being axed. 
as of right now, they're expecting for the ship to be sailing again on July 14th. But if you are set to sail on that, you know, kind of keep an eye. You never know. They may have to cancel yet another. And our last NCL story for the day. Gosh, three in a row. Um, NCL wants more of your money before you cruise. See, now that's you and your spin. My way of looking at this is they have just made something that was incredibly difficult much easier. But you're right, it is sort of a way for them to get more money in their pockets before you get on the ship. So the situation is this. Anybody who sort of follows the site regularly or listens to when I'm doing reviews of sailings that I've done on past ships within the Norwegian Cruise Line know that I'm a huge fan of the Vibe Beach Club. This is their adults-only area, 18 and above. Um, It's a four-fee area that has a hot tub and lots of comfy loungers and its own bar and they come around with uh, fruit skewers and they'll spritz you with water if you're feeling a little it's a little hoity-toity area if you will on the ship and i love it it comes at an added fee um and up until now the only way to get a vibe beach club pass was to be basically one of the first people on the ship and then run as fast as you could to guest services where they would sell them because they did not sell them in advance now you will be able to get them in advance they're rolling it out slowly there's some glitches on the site as usually happens when you introduce something new but you will be able to buy the passes in advance, which means you won't have to like worry about getting to the port at you know 8 a.m. and getting on that ship as soon as possible, and you won't have to do the race to guest services. It's kind of exciting. Um, this is something that's offered on the Breakaway and Breakaway Plus class ships. They're the only ones that really have a Vibe Beach Club, and it's a pretty sweet section. Price-wise, it runs around $209 for a week. That's for your regular individual vibe beach beach pass you can also spend more and rent they have these cabanas they're sort of they vary from ship to ship but on most of them they're sort of glorified clamshells and they're very nice and when you when you rent a cabana you get access for two people you can have up to i think it's six people maybe eight people hang out in your cabana but those people all have to buy their own vibe pass only guests one and guests two are covered by the the price of the cabana. It's kind of a very, very fun area. And uh, I highly recommend it if you have a little extra cash or OBC to burn. Yeah, we actually got an email after you wrote that story. It says, correct, you can now pre-book the NCL Vibe Pass. It was not available to book online for my August getaway cruise, so I had to call NCL. The agent was skeptical, but he did look, and I was able to book a week pass. Day passes, if available, supposedly could only be purchased on board. That makes sense as well, because, you know, once you're on board, they have a better sense of, you know, how crowded it is because they do limit the passes. And people are always skeptical about that. You hear about areas that are, you know, limiting the ticket sales and you're like, yeah, no, no, they're going to get as much money as they can. But I'll tell you, I have never, ever, ever been in Vibe and had it be crowded. You know, it's never mm-hmm. been one of those situations where you can't get a lounge or you can't get a seat at the bar. It's um, it's usually they really are good about the capacity control because they know that's a big selling point. And Royal Caribbean now has two ships that have completed major construction milestones. Yeah, so Utopia of the Seas just had its uh, steel cutting and the coin laying ceremony over in France. Utopia of the Seas is the latest in their Oasis class. It's interesting because a lot of people have 
mistakenly assumed that it's an icon class, and this is why. So in 2023, Icon of the Seas, which is the first in the icon class, and it's also their first ship that's sailing with LNG, you know, sort of the the, the much cleaner burning alternative to false fossil fuel, Icon of the Seas will be coming out in 2023. Then in 2024, in the spring, comes Utopia of the Seas. Because it's coming out after the Icon of the Seas, people have been sort of assuming it's an Icon class, but it's not. It's actually the sixth of the Oasis class. It's very unusual to see that. Usually once you start releasing a class, you don't go back and release mm-hmm. you know, something from an earlier class. But in this case, they are doing that. We don't really know a lot about it. They're being very hush-hush about Utopia. We do know it'll be an LNG ship. Like I said, it'll be the second of their LNG ships. But other than that, they really they have a video out announcing Utopia of the Seas, but it's really just filled with images of like flowers and butterflies flies. There's no real (laughs) indication of what changes we can expect. So we'll all have to kind of sit back and wait to see what what Utopia actually is when it eventually debuts. Royal Caribbean has always been known for their fast internet with their Voom, I believe it's called. Well, it could even get faster now if they have their way with the FCC and Starlink. Yeah, this is interesting because internet connectivity is more important than ever now that ships rely on passengers using their apps on their mobile phones to do almost everything. You know, if you want to make a reservation or you want to stand on a virtual line, you need to use your mobile phone apps. So they really need to have decent internet on ships, which is, of course, something that many people complain about. It's also important because so many of us, we've we don't really disconnect anymore. When we go to sea, we're working, you know, or we're, there's things that we have to keep track of back home. In June, Royal Caribbean very quietly sort of installed the SpaceX Starlink internet satellite receivers on Freedom of the Seas, only on that one ship. Uh, at the same time, the cruise line sent a letter asking the Federal Commission if they could have permission to use the service on all of their ships. You, you basically have to have um, the FCC's permission before before you make a change like that, because Starlink does not have government approval for use on moving vehicles, which would include ships. Well, it appears they've now gotten that approval. So it's sort of assumed that they will be rolling Starlink out across their fleet, but we haven't heard anything officially about it, let alone a timeline as to when that might happen. Uh, but this is this could be a real game changer, and one has to assume now that now that Royal has done the hard part and sort of experimented with it and gotten the permission from the FCC that other cruise lines would jump on board because you know this is going to be a major selling point and something very very important. On a side note, you know we actually have Starlink at uh, my new house. We we bought one of the Starlink satellite dishes and we used it when the we our regular internet went out and I have to tell you it's it's a pretty fantastic service. So yeah. this could be a real game changer for Royal. Yeah, and to add on to what you just said, I just purchased the Starlink RV, so for me to use it when I'm out in the woods or whatever. Uh, In the middle of the desert in Utah, we were getting 117 megabytes per second download speed and 12.5 megabytes per second upload speed. That's with no one around, in the middle of nowhere, away from civilization. Even the phone wasn't working, so definitely a game changer, and I don't have to drive 30 miles to a McDonald's or Starbucks to upload my show or news briefs because I can do it right there from the campsite. In fact, I wish I was there right now. Heck, I might be next weekend. 
is this your way of telling us that you're going to now be broadcasting from the middle of nowhere for the rest of your life? Yes, I'm taking a 30-day road trip next month. So uh, (laughs) kind of be prepared for that. Listener question comes from Katie. I'm serious, Richard. I'm doing that. Looking at Disney Wish for our honeymoon cruise next summer, is it really true that there's a $5,000 drink on board and why? I can't be the only person fascinated by this. It is true. Um, you know, if you really want to do something crazy and outrageous on your honeymoon after spending all the money on the wedding, go ahead and order the Kaibar Crystal. Uh, now, this is actually the name of this actually comes from a known artifact in the Star Wars universe. You know, it's probably not as well known as like the Millennium Falcon or anything, but it is actually something from the Star Wars universe. And it supposedly amplifies the force and your abilities to use the force. So there's your little bit of Star Wars background. Um, the drink itself comes in this very cool container that you do not get to keep despite it costing $5,000 that opens up and smoke comes out and you reach inside and there's little glasses in there and and inside those glasses are the drink that you are paying $5,000 for. Uh, there's, you know, it, it basically com- is a combination of a bunch of expensive liquors, none of which comes close to costing $5,000. But What supposedly makes it worthwhile, and we say supposedly because I have not actually talked to anybody who has purchased the $5,000 drink, is that it comes with certain perks. Like supposedly there's some kind of interactive element that may or may not involve stormtroopers. It also comes with supposedly an invitation to the ranch where Skywalker wines are made and a bottle of this wine in uh, in your room. So it does come with things other than this drink. It is only available in on the Disney Wish in the Hyperspace Lounge, which is their Star Wars-themed lounge. Very, very cool space. But it also is a little bit hard to get for a couple of reasons. One, it's $5,000. But two, the lounge only holds about 50 people. And you sort of have to, I guess you can make a reservation. So, you know, it is not the easiest place to get into. Apparently people are lined up. Reminds me a lot of, um, what's the bar over at the, the, the Polynesian Resort in Disney World? Is it Trader Sam's? Yeah, I believe that's it. Which, you know, anytime I've gone there um, and you you have to get in line in order to get in because it's so popular and it is a space that holds a limited number of people. So it's the same thing here. But if you've got the patience and you've got five grand that you just can't think of any better way to spend, yes, you on your honeymoon will be able to buy a $5,000 cocktail on the Disney Wish. It's all what it means to you, though, right? Like, if you have the means to do it, I'm not going to hate you for doing it because I think it's cool you're actually spending your money on something you like. Would I pay $1,000 to sit front row at a Garth Brooks concert? Yes. Would you? Probably not. Would I walk across the street to see Victor Newman from Young and the Restless? No. But the ladies down the hall? Absolutely. Exactly. And that is exactly it. I mean, it it is taking a lot of heat from people who don't, you know, who don't look at it that way and who consider this, you know, sort of the downfall or an example of corporate culture and how Disney is one big money grab. And and it is true that this drink basically costs more than than your cruise. (laughs) I know, but. but hey, if people want to do it, it's an experience. And who are we to judge? Absolutely. Been talking with staff writer Richard Sims. Richard, thanks again, my friend. Talk to you next week. Always glad to be here. Breaking news as it happens. Online and on demand at cruiseradio.net. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. 
Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not, not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. You're listening to Cruise Radio, the trusted voice of the cruise industry. So Kristen just returned from a seven-night Western Caribbean cruise aboard Norwegian Breakaway. It was out of New Orleans, and it was a haven suite experience. Kristen joins us on the line. Hello, Kristen. Hi, Doug. Good to be with you. Let's jump right in with some pre-cruise thoughts. Thank you. We um, we have two girls that are both in early elementary school who love to cruise and two, a mom and a dad who work too much. And mm-hmm. so for Christmas, we came to the realization right around Thanksgiving that, you know, as we look through the toy catalogs that our girls didn't need more stuff. Mm-hmm. What they needed was time with mom and dad. And so we decided to throw our Christmas dollars into an experience versus more toys. Um, and so found a really good sailing on Norwegian in the Haven. We've sailed Haven before. We absolutely love the Haven experience. Had always wanted to travel to New Orleans. It fell over Christmas break, so it just seemed like the natural thing to do. So you make your way from the Dakotas down to New Orleans. Any pre-cruise time there? We did. We flew in with Dakota weather and going through Denver and, and storms and, and delays. We decided to go go in early. Uh, flew United through Denver to New Orleans and spent a day prior um, and stayed at the Marriott Warehouse property. And it was absolutely fantastic. The location is right across the street from the port. Uh, so much fun to wake up the morning of the cruise and look out our window and see the Norwegian breakaway. Uh, the Marriott itself was a beautiful property, top-notch service. Um, we could not have been happier with the location, the amenities. So let's talk about embarkation once you get to the cruise terminal. And because you had a Haven suite, was there anything different than a typical embarkation experience? You know, Doug, great question. That's one of the many reasons we love the Haven is right off the bat when you arrive at the pier, there is priority check-in and just an elevated level of service. Um, We absolutely had no wait. Um, As soon as they saw that we were Haven guests, we were quickly whisked away to our own area. Our room keys were ready. Uh, They gave us nice lanyards uh, that had Haven written on the lanyard. And then they escorted us after we checked in and got our lanyards and checked our vaccine cards. All of the guests on board had to be fully vaccinated, including Mm -hmm. our children. They uh, brought us to a lounge that was only for Haven guests. And inside that lounge, um, they had a variety of beautiful snacks and beverages, cookies, coffee, juices, fruits um, that we got to enjoy as we waited to get on the ship. Once you're on board the ship, was there like a dedicated elevator that took you up to the Haven? There might have been, but we did not go on that elevator. They did have the the lead concierge from the Haven and one of her associates come greet mm-hmm. all of the Haven guests. And they um, had a warm greeting and said, thanks for being Haven guests. You'll be the first on the ship. Um, so we were absolutely one of the first to get on the ship. Uh, and they took, oh, about... 
15 or 20 of us on at a time and escorted us directly up into the Haven area where the staff warmly welcomed us and uh, encouraged us to grab a cocktail at the Haven bar and they had tables set for lunch. Um, So right away, they started to spoil us with that Haven experience. Since we're already at the Haven area, let's talk about that for a little bit. So what kind of Haven suite did you book and how was your experience in there throughout the seven days? Excellent. I think it's probably one of the my most favorite state rooms we've ever had the privilege of being on. Um, we stayed in a two-bedroom uh, suite in the Haven area. Traveling with kids, it provided just fantastic privacy, not only for our kids, but for mom and dad. Uh, you walk into the state room, and there was a, quite a large sitting area with a couch, a couple chairs, a large flat-screen TV, a bar area with an espresso coffee maker, um, ample room for for kind of dining and lounging. Off of that um, living room, there was a first, I would say, moderate-sized bedroom that was what we called our kids' room. There was one twin bed and then another bed above it that came out of the ceiling. You can imagine that my first grader thought that was pretty cool that she got the bunk bed <laughs> in the ceiling. Um, our room store was fantastic and made it up for us. And that room not only had its a, a door, provided privacy for our girls, it had its own bathroom and shower and, and terrific storage in that room. Mom and dad's room, spectacular. King-size bed, fantastic bathroom. Um, one of the neatest showers I've ever seen on a cruise boat. It had windows inside the shower that you could look out and see the ocean. Huge jetted tub. It really was a was a lovely stateroom. How about the balcony space? I mean, are the balconies larger, like the stateroom inside is larger compared to a regular balcony? It was an average size balcony mm-hmm. um, that you would probably have in a balcony stateroom. It wasn't, it wasn't massive in any way, but it accommodated two chairs comfortably with a small table. Um, so it wasn't great balcony space, but the space inside the room is really what made it so fantastic. What we loved in the morning as mom and dad is we could leave our our room, go into that living room, get ourselves a, a cup of coffee off the Nespresso and go for a walk or enjoy the ship before the girls got up. And they never knew we were out of the room nice. because they had their own door. And so we could allow them to keep sleeping mm-hmm. and not disturb them even though we were up. What were your first impressions of Norwegian Breakaway once you were outside of the Haven and down there, like in the atrium area where all the public venues are? It's a beautiful ship. They, um, Every staff member was warm and welcoming. Um, we found it to be incredibly clean. The staff was helpful. Uh, there wasn't a tremendous amount of passengers on board, so it never felt busy to us but it had just ample space for entertainment. It had lots of great nooks to read a book or play cards. All the bars were open, um, never felt crowded. It was, it was a great ship. Nice. How about your dining experience? Because the Haven has its own dedicated dining room up there. So did you spend most of your meals in there compared to specialty dining venues or going to the main dining room? We did. The Haven has a beautiful, um, its own private dining room. And so that that's open for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Um, the menus stay pretty consistent throughout the week. 
that was new to us. We had the privileges of cruising the Haven pre-COVID, March of 2020, before the world changed. Um, And throughout the week, the Haven menu would occasionally change or they would throw a special in or a nightly feature. On this cruise, the menu was the same breakfast, lunch, and dinner throughout the cruise. But they did a wonderful job. You could have lobster every night if you wanted. You could have filet. Um, and the service is really what stood out, out to us in addition to the food was the service. Did you make it into the uh, buffet area at all during your cruise for oh, any meal? Of course. When you have two kids, who doesn't go to the buffet? Right. <laughs> <laughs> the buffet was, was, was one of our kids' favorite. Um, and oftentimes we would do that sometimes in between meals or snacks. Um, we found the buffet to be easy to navigate. They did have staff right at the doors, making sure that you washed your hands and they actually supervised the hand washing. Um, And then you could get your plate and self-serve for the most part. We found the selection to be what you would expect at on a cruise buffet. It seemed plentiful. Um, The hours were great. We had no complaints about the buffet. Any specialty restaurants this cruise? We did. Our girls, one night, about three nights into the cruise, insisted that mom and dad go on a date night somewhere in the boat, and they wanted their own dinner. So the Haven staff was fantastic and allowed our girls to dine in the Haven dining room by themselves one evening. My husband and I enjoyed one of our specialty dining credits and went to Ocean Blue. It's their seafood restaurant. How was your experience in Ocean Blue? I know when it first debuted about, well, gosh, 10 years ago or so, maybe a little less, it was a concept with celebrity chef Jeffrey Zakarian, and it was really good. Have they maintained that quality? Pretty solid. I think their sides were the star. The appetizers, mm. the side dishes, the desserts were the star. The seafood was good. Um, I've had better seafood on cruises, but and it was it was a solid, good seafood experience. I think we get spoiled sometimes in the Haven, and so when you leave the Haven in their dedicated dining room and you go outside of that, the food is good. It's um, nothing to complain about, but it was on par with what you would get in the Haven. You mentioned you were sailing with your two younger daughters. Were the kids clubs open at all? That's probably one of the, you know, I had, we have so many highlights from the cruise. The one aspect that was disappointing to both my husband and I and our kids was that their Splash Academy was closed mm-hmm. for children five to 12 years old. Uh, we had cruised on Norwegian before, had a fantastic experience with Splash Academy, was very much looking forward to them having that experience again. And it surprised me that it was closed because mm-hmm. they were certainly not the only kids on board, right. um, it being over Christmas break, but they were not running Splash Academy. We did ask the concierge to check into it for us and to, you know, see if we were just missing something. And the response was because of COVID. They closed the Splash Academy. Uh, they did leave over open the teens club and mm-hmm. have teen activities ages 13 to 17, but they did not have anything for the littles. Still managed to have a great time. It just didn't provide quite the experience we were hoping for. So how was the entertainment on this seven-night cruise? I have to say Elvin, the cruise director, was warm and welcoming. He was great. He, he has a wonderful staff. We never lacked for entertainment. We saw Burn the Floor which was great. Um, We went to the show six. My husband one night went to the late night comedy club after my girls and I were (laughs) in bed and he wasn't quite ready for the night to end. The entertainment was 
really fun. They did great game shows. The ping pong tables always had ping pongs and pongs, the ropes course on board, the water slides. The cruise director and his team, I thought, did a spectacular job. Did you hear how many people were sailing on your ship by chance? You know, I did not hear, and they never announced it. So if I had to take a wild guess, I would say it was about 60%, but that is purely speculation based on amenities. And if I may go back to entertainment for a minute and just give a shout out, we traveled, as you know, over Christmas, but Mm -hmm. they really did a nice job on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, um, providing some neat Christmas activities. They had Mrs. Claus read children's books (laughs) and Christmas books to the kids in the atrium um, and handed out candy canes. They had coloring sheets with Christmas activities for the kiddos. They had letters you could write to Santa. And then Christmas Day, we were really impressed. They had Santa in the lobby with Mrs. Claus Mm -hmm. from 7 in the morning to 10 and every kid and got to go through the line and get their picture with Santa and Mrs. Claus. And then they gave every kid a gift on board, which was really quite unexpected, yeah. but lovely. How were the sea days as far as crowds and congestion? Probably one of the more lovely experiences we've had. You know, being in the Haven, we had a dedicated area for lounges and pools. And so that naturally allowed for not that that chair fight. But then when we would leave the Haven area to maybe go to the ropes course or the water slides, we never saw people saving the seats or fighting for a chair or not having space. There was plenty of seats, plenty of pool areas, plenty to do. The activities staff had activities throughout the day from game shows to deal or no deal, bingo, everything you would expect. Very nice. And on this sailing, you hit... Was it four ports, Cozumel, Roatan, Costa Maya, and Harvest Key? Or Harvest K? You got it. Yeah. I think it's, yeah, I see Harvest Ks, but I could totally be wrong on that. Cozumel was our first stop, by far the most popular with the crew. Um, and I think the passengers, it has the most to offer. Mm-hmm. Good amount of time in Cozumel. We got off the boat as a family. My girls are fluent in Spanish, and so it was fun for us to get off and get to use a little bit of Spanish. We wandered up into kind of a more local neighborhood away from the port and found a little, oh, local spa. I don't know if spa is the right word, <laughs> but a little little shop that provided manicures and pedicures. And so the three of us got our nails done while Dad found a beer down the road. <laughs> so it provided some fun local experiences in Cozumel. Nice. And what port was next? Next was Roatan. We did not get off the boat in Roatan. We were enjoying the amenities of the Haven too much, just some family time on board. It was a little bit rainy and damp that day in Roatan as well. Gotcha. And then the next port of call was Harvest K. How was that? Harvest K was a fun experience. It's Norwegian's private island. We got off. It was a really nice experience. Plenty of lounge chairs on the beach. Great sand, not rocky at all. My girls very much enjoyed that there was a pool experience with some kids' splash pads and and kind of a water park um, with some little water slides. And so they got the pool water slide splash pad experience in addition to putting their feet in the water and and doing sand castles. So when you're over there on Harvest Key, can you use the drink package from the ship on the island or destination? You were on your own for the drinks there. 
However, our butler and our fantastic Haven team bar staff made sure that we had a couple to-go cocktails (laughs) and some bottles of water and some cans of sparkling water Mm -hmm. went in our bag and, and they had no problem with us taking those off. One thing I would note about Harvest Cays, we saw a fair amount of jellyfish mm-hmm. on the island. And there were signs about the jellyfish. You, know, you just had to be mindful of the jellyfish. And then one of our, someone that we met in the Haven area had rented a bungalow mm-hmm. for the day on Harvest Cays. And they invited us into their bungalow just to check out the amenities and, and kind of see what that that amenity had, you know, that opportunity had to offer. So it was neat to see inside one of the bungalows. And what'd you think? Could see myself booking it next nice. time. It was it was very well done. It had its own kind of beachfront. It had a couple hammocks. It had beautiful kind of patio with plenty of loungers, a fully stocked fridge, bathrooms, couches, protection from the sun. I think Norwegian did a nice job with that upgrade if you wanted to take it. Very cool. And then your final port of call was Costa Maya. How was that? Costa Maya was unfortunately short. We got into port about 7.30. I believe they let us off the ship around 8 o'clock in the morning. And it was all on board by 12 or 12.30. So it was a very short stay, which prevented us from doing a whole lot. You could get off. There was kind of a long walkway that dumped you into some local shops and, and boutiques, kind of that tourist area to get your souvenirs to go home. Because of the short turnaround, we didn't go much beyond that area. Mm-hmm. Which is a, it's a pretty nice size port too. Like there's a lot to do in the port itself. Lots to do in the port. Lots of ships in that day. I think we were one of four, if not wow. five ships that day, which was great to see for mm-hmm. that economy. Yeah, the port area is really nice over there at Costa Maya. If there's not a lot of ships in port or a ton of people, they uh, they did a good job developing that. Yeah, it really was. I I, I wish we just had more time because there's there's a lot of neat things to do and fun to see so many ships in port. Yeah, and that was your last port, correct? That was our last port, and then back, you know, a day at sea, which we really enjoyed that last day at sea to take in more, you know, more amenities of the haven and everything else the boat had to offer. Um, and then back to New Orleans. So the cruise is over. You're docked in New Orleans. Time to get off. Because you were in the Haven, were you able to get off the ship a little quicker than everyone else? We did. Um, disembarkation was easy. It was efficient. We woke up that morning, and my husband and I went for a walk that morning and just enjoyed those last few moments on the ship and got a couple cocktails at the Haven Bar that morning and woke up our girls, uh, enjoyed a beautiful breakfast in the Haven restaurant. The staff at the Haven absolutely made the trip just so special for us. They work incredibly hard, but at their core, they're just friendly, kind, good people. So we enjoyed breakfast, went back to our stateroom, gave some hugs and (laughs) and goodbyes to our favorite people, and then made our way off the ship it could not have been an easier disembarkation experience for us. One thing I didn't know about sailing on the Mississippi is that it takes about 10 hours to get, you know, from the port of New Orleans down to the Gulf of Mexico or vice versa. So that last night before you go to bed, you're pretty much entering the river already. Yeah. Our Wi-Fi started to come back. The Mm -hmm. LP came back and then we were out on our balcony. I was like, that's land. Like we're in the United States. Like that's, we're, you know, and then we were able to pull up Google map and, 
the pace of the boat really slowed down. It was it was neat to see. Looking back here, do you have any first-time tips to offer anyone who either is thinking about staying in the Haven or sailing Norwegian Breakaway? Yeah. You know, anytime you can get on a cruise ship, go and do it. And, and now, it, more so than ever, with the crowds being less. Um, but if you do have the opportunity to upgrade to a Haven experience, I would absolutely encourage it. The amenities that come with that Haven experience, right from the moment your foot hits the pier to the moment you leave, is just an elevated experience. We very much enjoyed our butler every single day, multiple times a day. He checked in with us and asked us what he could do. And we didn't use him often, but the things that sometimes we didn't even ask for, those little extras that came, meant the world to us. Brought us hot cocoa packets. He made sure to have carrots on the balcony for Santa's reindeer. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) That would be flying by. It just, it was a really nice experience. The restaurant, the entire team in the Haven restaurant couldn't have been more accommodating and friendly. The food was very nice. The lounge itself provided great space to have a cocktail. We played a lot of card games in the lounge. We also enjoyed that they had a lot of the NFL football games on (laughs) throughout that week. um, It being Christmas week, there were games on Saturday and Sunday on both weekends, and they were able to stream those games in. So to get a couple cocktails and watch some good football in that lounge area. The Haven experience also allowed us to have a kind of cocktail reception with some of the officers on board, which is a favorite perk of mine of being in the Haven. Just to get to know those people better and their jobs is always fun. Yeah, for sure. What was the biggest highlight of this cruise for you? Two things. One, the opportunity to be in the Haven area, um, kind of that boat within a boat concept. We were treated like such value guests within hours. They knew our names. They knew what drinks we liked. But at the core, what made it the best was being together with the family, you know, yeah. getting a couple of days off of work and <laughs> spending time with the people you love. I want to circle back to the pre-cruise process before you boarded and before you went into the Haven. Did they reach out to you proactively and were, were they like, hey, do you have a certain favorite kind of liquor or candy or anything like that? They did not. Okay. We sailed Celebrity this past summer and we stayed in their area called the Retreat. It's the somewhat equivalent to the Haven. And Celebrity did reach out to us and said, hey, what are your favorites? What do we need to know? What can we do? Norwegian did not do that. But as soon as we got on, they quickly realized what we loved from our favorite flavor of sparkling water to our my husband's favorite beer, and, and they took great care of us. Awesome. After spending a week on board, all in all, how do you think NCL is doing with their protocols and taking care of their guests and their safety? I think Norwegian is doing a spectacular job in a very challenging and ever-changing COVID environment. I think they're taking the health and safety of their crew and their guests the best they can. Everyone that we saw was was being safe. Um, everyone from being fully vaccinated to get on board to wearing masks. Um, when it was when it was asked to guests, um, we had good mask compliance on our ship. Um, when the you know when it the opportunity, for example, when we're all in the theater to you know sitting relatively close to one another, they had asked, for example, when we went to burn the floor six, that you would keep your mask on. All of the guests seemed to be really respectful of that. Mm-hmm. The staff had their masks on. I don't think they could be doing anything more than what they're currently doing. Yeah. And your final thoughts of Norwegian Breakaway? 
great ship, lots to do for people of all ages, from ping pongs to ropes course to water slides, great entertainment. Um, the thermal spa was another highlight of ours. The service from from the from top to bottom, even outside of the haven, the service was was spectacular. Great Starbucks. I forgot to mention the Starbucks provided um, wonderful drinks and service throughout the trip. We could not have been happier. If they could just get the kids club open, Doug, it'd yep. be an A plus <laughs> plus. What was the smoke and smoking situation like in the casino on board Norwegian Breakaway? You know what, Doug? I know my husband lost some dollars in the casino one night. I'm not a casino person. He went one night and Mm. donated some of his money um, to Norwegian Cruise Line. But Uh I do believe that you can smoke in there. You'd walk through the area. If memory serves me correctly, there was a smell of smoke. We've been talking with Kristen about her seven-night cruise on Norwegian Getaway out of New Orleans up in the Haven Suite. Kristen, thank you so much for sharing this review with us, and I look forward to talking with you again. Oh, thanks, Doug, for having me. All right, Dougie, let's see what we got for you, buddy. Cruise Radio is produced at the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. Get cruise news, ship reviews, and money-saving tips every Thursday on Cruise Radio. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show. If you want to help spread the word, give Cruise Radio a five-star review. Find Cruise Radio where you listen to your favorite podcast or online at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer.